Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Welcome to This Miraculous Life, broadcasting and recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Oliveri Olumba, and this podcast is all about tuning in with the miraculousness of life and liberating yourself from all of the bullshit that gets in the way of that. I have my master's degree in positive psychology which is essentially the scientific study of human thriving. In other words, where classical psychology studies human dysfunction and how to fix it, positive psychology studies human thriving and what leads to it, and how can we all create that for ourselves. I have a life coaching practice here in Washington, D.C., where I work with people on things like getting a career, getting a relationship that are actually satisfying and meaningful to them, and just getting to know themselves in a satisfying and meaningful way. So today we are going to be building on what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, which is first we did a lot of talking about optimism and what it looks like in practice, how to apply it to actually benefit from the science of positive psychology. And then we learned about how there's actually a specific ratio of positive to negative emotions that allow us to feel like we are thriving and to tap into the benefits of psychological thriving. And that ratio was three to one. We need to have at least three positive emotions or positive experiences for every one negative in order to feel like we're happy, feel like we're thriving, and also to get the benefits of of that, you know, which it seem it would seem like being just being happy in itself is benefit enough, which of course it is. But also when you are feeling happy, you get lots of other additional benefits on top of that, such as not getting sick as easily, making more money, having stronger relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So today we are going to be talking about that positive to negative emotional ratio, and we're going to learn why relationships are so hard, essentially. (laughs) So I'm here today with our studio engineer, Alexia Brown. Hi, Alexia. Hi, Sarah. I'm really excited about this topic, by the way. (laughs) Yay, me too. This was was pretty mind-blowing to me when I learned this. So are you ready for the data, Alexia? Definitely. Give me the data. So here's here's the data that I found to be truly shocking. <clears throat> so where the science finds that a, an individual human being, in order to feel like they're thriving, has to have an emotional ratio of about three positive to every one negative. For our relationships in regular everyday life, so in other words, if we're not like in the middle of an argument at that moment, the ratio of positive to negative emotions or interactions that is necessary for us to say report that we are in a really strong thriving happy relationship is guess what 
20 to 1. That's so many. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot. That's a lot more positive than negative, right? So that, to me, like that kind of explains why relationships are challenging because... It's so important. Yeah. Everyone needs relationships. Everyone needs relationships. Right. Well, 20, so what it means is that in order for us to say like this relationship is really good... Specifically, the data is on romantic relationships. In order for us to say this is a really good, strong, thriving romantic relationship, basically, if a psychologist asks us, like, how, tell me about your relationship, how good is it? You know, are you happy? Do you feel like the relationship is strong? In order for us to say to that psychologist, yeah, my relationship is awesome. You know, I feel good about my relationship. We're really solid. I think that we're going to stay together. I think that we're happy together. We have a thriving, solid, good relationship. In order for us to report that, in that one relationship, there has to be a ratio of about 20 to 1 positive exchanges positive interactions with that individual on average for every one negative interaction with that individual. So basically once for with our spouse, for example, or our boyfriend or our girlfriend, um, once the ratio starts to tip below, like let's say we're experiencing like 18 positive emotions for every one negative interaction with our boyfriend, then we start to feel like, Mm, this relationship is not the best, (laughs) you know? That's how powerful negative interactions with a significant other are. So there's there's a couple takeaways that I have from that data. One is that it kind of explains why we struggle with romantic relationships because it takes, like it's a lot easier for us to be happy with our lives as individuals. We have a lot higher tolerance for our personal negative experiences that we just encounter on a daily basis that don't feel necessarily personal to us. You know, it might just be, I, I got a lot of lights on the way to work. I tripped and skinned my knee. Like those things are a pain in the ass. They don't make us feel good. They do cause negative emotion, but the negative emotion is less potent because it doesn't feel personal. It's not something that we're inclined to you know, interpret into the grander meaning of life or grander meaning of how the universe feels about us as individuals, etc. Maybe sometimes, but we're a lot less likely to take it that way than if our spouse snaps at us, you know, or if we are having a a stressful morning and having trouble getting ready for for work in time and we have a negative interaction with our partner or usually our partner gives us a kiss goodbye and this morning they don't say bye at all, right? All of those things could qualify as a negative interaction and those things affect us a lot more strongly when it is in the context of a romantic interpersonal relationship rather than in the context of our individual experience, right? So I think that A, explains why romantic relationships are challenging, you know, and why it is, I think, harder to 
say, oh, I've found my person. You know, I found a person that I want to spend the rest of my life in relationship with than it is to say simply, I'm happy with my life, period. Does that make sense, Alexia? Yeah, definitely. Does it, do, like, so far, does that resonate with your personal experience? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just like very small things I feel like are magnified very easily. It's yeah. Like I feel like keeping that 20 to 1 ratio can be so difficult when a lot of things, if you look at it from a more objective standpoint, maybe right. don't mean as much, but how, you know, we just totally. put so much weight into those things. Especially when it's interactions with someone that we, like, care so much about, totally. you know, want so much with. Totally. It's like, in, a, in the context of a romantic relationship, we are often not capable of looking at things objectively, you know? Uh, so, so, the second thing that I take away from this is just simply how much, how potent our negative interactions are. So in the first ratio, the three to one ratio, we're just looking at any positive emotional experience and any negative emotional experience. And like I said, that could be a negative interaction. Like it could be a fight. It could be a conversation where somebody is rude to you. It could be something where your spouse or your child or your friend or your parent says something that is disrespectful or that hurts your feelings, but it could also just be that you don't get to work on time because there's traffic on the throughway, or it could be that you catch a cold, right? Or it could be that you uh, get a run in your favorite pair of tights, you know, or it could be that you lose that you lose something, you know, you lose an item that you have. Or it could be that you don't you have a project that's on a really tight deadline and you don't think you're gonna finish in time, you know, or it could be that you miss you you miss your workout for the day, or that you give a talk and you say something wrong. So all of those things are negative emotions and only a couple of them are the result of a negative interaction, right? On the other hand, when we're looking at the relationship, we're specifically looking at the interactions because that's what we're assessing. We're not assessing in, in that instance, we're not assessing the individual emotional experience of each person in the relationship. We're assessing the collective experience, which means how do these two people engage with one another? How do they interact with one another? And what is the ratio there? So we're only, we're sort of isolating a certain type of human experiences. And what I think that this data also reveals is that negative interactions are one of the most potent forms of negativity that human beings experience in the the spectrum of their emotional journey of a day, essentially. And that the negative experiences that are not related with a negative interaction are things that we recover from much more quickly. And again, like I said, don't take us personally. They don't hurt us as deeply. We don't hang on to them as long. 
Whereas I think because we are social beings and because we are so deeply affected by our interpersonal relationships and interpersonal interactions, when we have a negative interaction, the level of pain, the level of suffering, the level of influence that has that has over our overall sense of thriving, our overall mindset is much greater than when we experience a have a negative experience that is not related with or is not the result of an interaction. And so in our relationships, this is something that we need to be very very, very aware of. And when we are on the sort of providing end of a negative interaction, when we're in a grumpy mood, you know, when we're not interested in engaging, when we're the one rejecting, you know, when we're the one who says something that is a little bit, you know, a little bit nasty or a little bit slighting or a little bit cutting, whether it's personal or not, we have, we generally are thinking, oh, you know, I'm just in a bad mood. This is minor. This should be received the same way as if my partner or my friend were to break a nail or get a run in their tights or trip and like tear their pants or you know, have a bad commute to work, but it's not the same, you know? And the reality is that we might feel like it's that way when we're on the giving end, but when we're on the receiving end, we don't take it that way. Think about how much time you spend thinking through negative interactions that you have with another human being Versus the amount of time that you spend thinking about and processing a negative experience that you have alone as an individual. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Alexia? Do you, like, can you think of a time when you had a negative experience just alone as an individual versus a negative interaction? And did you give one or the other more thought after the fact? Um, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of like what would constitute one versus the other but I think my general impression is that yeah when it comes to something being like an unsavory interaction with another person like I dwell on it a lot and yeah uh makes me second guess lots of different things both about the relationship and about the way that I like relate to other people um but yeah I'm sure like if I you know drop my phone and it shatters like right that's on me like I can get over it you know right Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a great example. I mean, I'm thinking I can think of an example. The other day I was riding my bike to my office on the weekend to train some coaching students that I'm training. And it was just like I just felt went once I got there, I just felt pressed for time. It was really cold outside And then like I got to the, I got to my building and on the weekends it's locked. And so I'm outside and I couldn't find the key that I, the key fob that I need to get into the building. So I like dropped something and then I was trying to look for it in my bag and it was like in the bottom of my bag. So I had to just like 
dump all of my stuff out on the ground in front of the building. Like my bra was just like on the sidewalk. And I was like, this is this fucking sucks. I was like, this is not cool. Everything is I just had one of those moments where I'm like, this is a mess. Why? Why is this happening? You know, I want to have a more relaxing, just easy flowing day. And right now, everything I'm just outside in the cold, rushing. I'm not going to have time to do the things that I want to do before the class. And now all of my personal belongings are dumped out on the sidewalk. And now I have to rush over and swipe the key fob and rush into the door. And I just had a moment (laughs) and I was definitely outside by myself like, oh, and then I collected my stuff and I went into the building and then I fucking forgot about it. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like it's easier to laugh about those things too. But like when I have a negative interaction with another, I'm never laughing about it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's just terrible all the way through. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas... Even, you know, even if I have a negative interaction with a stranger, you know, I think about this, this guy who had his dog on like a 40 foot leash and he was, he was walking his uh, dog and I was riding my bike on the sidewalk, which I know that I'm not supposed to do, but sometimes I'm not going to ride an extra block out of the way just so that I can ride my bike in the street. And I'm riding very slowly and very cautiously and being very mindful of the pedestrians. And I'm willing to admit like if, but this guy was, this guy had his dog on a 40 foot leash. He was literally taking up the entire block. There was no way around him and his dog. And he was cursing me out. And I was like, dude, what are you thinking about? And I, and I, so, you know, I got heated. I said some words back to him. And, but I was like, okay, so then we're both wrong, right? Fine. I'm willing to admit I'm wrong, but you're definitely wrong. Your dog is on like a hundred foot leash. See how it escalates? It literally was 40 feet though. How can that be? So, so anyway, he's clotheslining everyone on the sidewalk and getting pissed. As you can see, I'm still more pissed off about that than the incident of like being cold and dropping all of my stuff on the sidewalk and not being able to find my key, even though in the moment, my level of rage was probably pretty similar. But when the other one, because there wasn't, with the first one, with the key dropping, because there was another human being involved, it was just, it's just so easy to move on. You know, it's just something that I'm not at all inclined to dwell on. If another human being had witnessed my tantrum or my breakdown in that moment, then I would definitely still be dwelling on that a lot more. But given that nobody else witnessed it, I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't I didn't suffer that much. It's over. I'm not suffering anymore. Nobody else took out their suffering on me. Nobody hates me. I don't hate anybody. It's done. You know, easy to move on. Whereas the interpersonal ones, it's not so easy to move on. So that I think is another important thing to consider in our interpersonal relationships. And I think really is a huge part of the reason behind why the ratio for thriving relationships is so much different from the ratio for a thriving individual. So that's the first piece of data, the 21 20 to 1 ratio 
of positive interactions to negative interactions in order for a relationship to be really strong and thriving. And then the second piece of data that this was discovered by John and Julie Gottman, who are relationship psychologists, is that even in a conflict conversation, so basically even when they are having a fight, couples who are really solid and strong and report that their relationship is thriving, even when they're having a fight, they still have a ratio of about five to one positive to negative interactions. And so what does that mean? That means throughout a fight, even though they're disagreeing, there are demonstrations of positivity, such as saying like, okay, you know, I receive what you're saying. Or, okay, I can understand how you would feel that way. You know, here's where I was coming from. Those two things, that would count as a positive interaction. Or it could be having a moment of laughter. You know how sometimes you might be having a fight with someone and then you'll kind of lighten the mood or they'll lighten the mood and you'll laugh? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So... So that would count towards that five to one ratio. I like these um, examples you're providing. Mm. This is really helpful. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So so it would be like lightening the mood, making a joke. Uh, you know, of course, you have to be aware of whether a joke is going to land in that moment. But couples who are able to introduce lightness and have some kind of laughter during a fight, that's huge. That counts as one of the five in the five to one ratio, even just um, looking at your partner in a way that is not filled with anger or not filled with resentment, just looking at them, giving them your undivided attention, nodding your head as they share their disagreement with you, that would count as a positive interaction. Uh, sliding closer to your partner on the couch, having some physical touch in the midst of an argument or a disagreement. Um, Apologizing would count as a positive interaction, offering some kind of compromise. And, 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 you know, that doesn't always, sometimes there's not going to be enough agreement for there to be an apology or a compromise. That doesn't mean that this five to one ratio can't be achieved. But I think what it really comes down to is even amidst a fight or a disagreement with your partner, maintaining what we call positive regard. And that comes through in the way that we present ourselves during a fight. Like during a disagreement with our partner, with anyone for that matter, are we are we becoming this cold, kind of angry, just unhappy, withdrawn person whose goal is to disconnect and or prove our righteousness, you know, or during a disagreement or an argument, is our goal to connect and repair and figure out a way to navigate something problematic with someone who we really love and respect and care about and want to get along with, you know? 
And if we can keep the latter in mind when we're having a disagreement, then that really helps us to maintain that five to one ratio, right? So this is the data. I think it's really rather striking. I also think it helps explain why we so frequently find ourselves in relationships that seem good, but we don't feel good about them and we can't really figure out why. And I think it's because that balance, that positive to negative interaction ratio is just not strong enough. And that human beings, not just you, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, that human beings in general, when we study them, what we find is that in order for a human being to report that their relationship is really awesome, this is what we need. You know, we need a ratio of 20 to 1 positive to negative interactions. And that is, yeah, is that challenging? Yes, but it is also legitimate. It is also doable And it is also a phenomenon, you know, it's not too much to expect because it is an overarching finding of romantic relationships. And so I think the final thing is then how do we achieve that in our romantic relationships? And I think one is just being really mindful that that is necessary and not only looking for opportunities when we are having a disagreement or a fight to achieve that five to one ratio using some of the strategies that I named, such as validating your partner's emotion, reflecting, just simply saying back what you hear them seeing, saying whether you agree with it or not. You know, if you can understand where they're coming from, iterating that, uh, lightening the mood, you know, Finding a way, if possible, if appropriate, for both of you to laugh a little bit. Getting physically close to them, not physically closing off your body. Literally turning your body towards them, making eye contact, looking at them, nodding your head, moving closer to them instead of moving further away. Maybe even putting a hand on their body. Uh, Things like that are things that we can do to have a five to one positive to negative interaction ratio, even when we're having a fight with somebody. So I think that is really valuable because disagreements and conflicts are going to come up in our relationships. And I don't think that the answer to achieving this ratio is trying to avoid those, right? So then the other piece, though, is being mindful to, yes, say what's on our mind in terms of what we are upset about, what's weighing on us, what we need to change. Yes, do not hesitate to bring those things up, but strive to do it with that five to one ratio. But in addition to that, we are often less mindful of saying the thing, saying the good things that are on our mind. And in order to achieve a 21 20 to 1 ratio, we have to do that. There's absolutely no question that the 20 to 1 ratio of positive to negative interactions cannot be achieved if we are not vocalizing or demonstrating 
when we feel happy with our partner, when we are enjoying their company, when we appreciate something that they did, you know, when we want to spend time with them, you know, when we want to snuggle with them, when we like the way that they look, when we're thankful that they put away the dishes, whatever it is, those things we need to say not just when we're annoyed that our partner didn't do their dishes, we need to say just as consistently when we are happy and relieved and thankful that they did. You know, we need to be mindful of saying those things out loud, particularly in our relationships, because as you can see from the difference between the 20 to 1 ratio and the 3 to 1 ratio, those aren't things that we have to necessarily always say out loud as we operate as an individual. But in order to achieve a 20 to 1 ratio, we have to say all of those things out loud so that they are not just a small positive emotion for ourselves, but so that they cross that barrier to becoming a positive interaction with the other person. Does that make sense, Alexia? I love it so much. Yeah, that's really helpful. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll summarize and I'll give you one last tip for ensuring the sort of easiest way to achieve this 20 to 1 ratio in your relationship. Welcome back to This Miraculous Life. We are talking today about why it is more challenging to achieve a thriving relationship, a thriving romantic relationship in particular, than it is to achieve simply a thriving individual life. And what we've learned so far is that in order to report and feel that our romantic relationship is thriving, we need to have approximately or an average of 20 positive interactions for every one negative interaction. And in addition to that, we need to have about five positive interactions for every one negative interaction when we are in the middle of a conflict conversation. So, so far, that is the data And that helps us to understand how we need to operate in order to allow our relationships the opportunity to thrive. It also helps us to understand why, frankly, most relationships are not going to be the relationship because you can't fake a 20 to 1 ratio. (laughs) That's the reality. But if you have something that you feel is worthy of the 20 to 1 ratio, you have to put effort for the 20 to 1 ratio to be there. You need to vocalize. So some of the key tips for achieving the 20 to 1 ratio. So let's talk first about the 20 to 1 ratio and then specifically about the tips for the 5 to 1 ratio. So my tips for the 20 to 1 ratio are first and foremost, When you are feeling positively about your partner, do something to vocalize or demonstrate it. 
Now, a positive interaction doesn't have to be a vocal praise. That is one, and that's a great way to do it, but it can also be a physical demonstration or a positive exchange in some other way, right? It can be um, coming and like giving your partner a really loving hug and kiss and showing that you want to pay attention to them. You know, it can be, uh, um, it can be, spending, giving them undivided attention, right? It can be any of those things, but the primary tip here is when you are feeling positively about your partner, make sure that you demonstrate that outwardly, okay? So that's number one. Number two is when you are... When, when you make sure that when you have something that you're happy with your partner about, that you are just as conscious to verbalize that as when there's something that you're unhappy with your partner about, okay? So number one is when you're feeling positively, make sure to demonstrate it outwardly. And that can be a physical demonstration, that can be a verbal demonstration, that can be even an emotional demonstration, right? By showing your positive emotion and showing that that is a result of being around them or spending time with them right? Secondly, make sure that you are conscious of vocalizing your happiness with your partner just as much as you are of vocalizing when you're unhappy with your partner about something. A third tool that I want to share with you that I think is really important to achieving this 20 to 1 ratio is a little, a little psychological phenomenon that the Gottmans call turning towards. And turning towards means noticing when your partner is making small hints that they want your attention and responding to those hints. So turning towards is one of the most basic and essential ways to achieve the 20 to 1 ratio. And turning towards can be very simple and yet it can also be very difficult to do. So an example of turning towards is when your spouse or whoever it is, really, you can do these in any relationship, but the data is on romantic relationships. When your spouse or your romantic partner gets home at the end of the day, turning towards would be coming to greet them instead of staying engaged in what you're already doing. Um, ideally it would mean getting up from what you're doing and going to show them that you recognize that they have come into the environment, right? Making an effort like that. So turning towards that's in, you know, that can take a lot of energy, but it can also go a long way in terms of that positive emotional ratio in our relationship, um, Another example of turning towards would be if our partner is talking about something and we are otherwise engaged, lifting our head to acknowledge what our partner is saying. So let's say our partner is watching a video on YouTube and they're like, oh my God, have you seen this? And you're doing your homework or doing your work or cleaning the kitchen or something. I know in my experience, the urge to just 
pretend I did not hear that can be very strong. Uh, and that would not qualify as turning towards. That would actually qualify as what John and Julie Gottman would call turning away. And what would qualify as turning towards would be saying even something as simple as, have I seen what? (laughs) That would qualify as turning towards, okay? Because my partner is asking for my attention, asking for my acknowledgement. And when I provide it, that is a positive interaction. And when I don't provide it, when I ignore or actually punish my partner, so so the third alternative would be that my partner's like, oh my God, have you seen this? Number one, I can turn towards and say something like, have I seen what? Number two, I can turn away, which would be just ignoring it, (laughs) pretending I didn't hear him. Number three would be turning against. And that would be saying something like, can't you see that I'm in the middle of something over here? Can you please turn down your YouTube videos? Which I've done. (laughs) So I am not perfect. And I know that turning towards is such a simple skill, but it can be so hard to implement and practice. So one of the most important ways to get to that tipping point of the 20 to 1 ratio is to look for and respond to all or most of those opportunities to turn towards your partner's emotional bids for attention. And most of the time, this is happening throughout the day in very small ways. You know, this could even be something like if you're sitting on the couch and then your partner comes and sits sits on the couch beside you, turning towards would be looking at them or smiling at them or moving towards them or putting your arm around them. Anything to acknowledge that they have come and joined you in their space, in your space, rather than you're sitting on the couch, your partner comes and sits on the couch after you were already sitting there and you just continue on doing what you're doing as if nothing has changed. That would be turning away. Okay. And that would ultimately turning away goes into the negative interaction side of the 20 to 1 ratio. And it can be very easy to turn away without making a conscious decision to have done so. So turning towards, in my opinion, is the most, is the easiest, but also the most effective way because bids for attention, these bids to turn towards are happening so constantly throughout the day that that is the number one thing we need to tap into in order to create this 20 to 1 positive interaction to negative interaction ratio in our relationship. Something else to be mindful of is that in order to be in a relationship where we feel the ratio is a 20 to 1, we have to be willing to make bids for our partner's attention. So we can't just ignore our partner, keep all of our emotions to ourselves, or never ask for any attention and expect our partner to always come towards us, to always initiate we have to request attention. We have to engage with our partner. We have to create opportunities for our partner to turn towards us, for our partner to create those positive interactions with us. So we have to do things like, you know, come and sit next to our partner on the couch. You know, we have to do things like asking if our partner has seen this thing 
that we read or telling our partner about something that happened during our day. All of those are ways of bidding for our partner's attention and then responding to those bids are ways of turning towards and an engage of turning towards is always a deposit in the positive interaction side of that 20 to 1 ratio. Does that make sense, Alexia? The concept of turning towards? Absolutely. I just had this conversation with someone else um, Mm. about how that is just like such a make or break, especially when in dating and like forming a relationship with someone is how much they... Um, reciprocate excitement totally and turn towards the things that I'm excited about True, even if you're not just to show like good faith that totally um, you care yeah totally mm-hmm. exactly 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 and it doesn't even you know I think to the example of have you oh my god have you seen this it doesn't have to be I don't even have to feign excitement I just have to respond. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying like you could criticize it too you know what I mean like totally sort of response um, is better than, than nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What it really comes down to is the acknowledgement, the willingness to engage in some way, even if that way is small. And even if we don't have the energy to engage further, we could say something like, oh, I haven't seen it. I'm in the middle of this right now. Um, I would love to see it later. That would still be turning towards rather than saying, can't you see I'm doing something? Right? Two different responses. So lastly are my tips on how to achieve this five to one ratio in our conflict conversations. So what that means is being mindful that a conflict conversation doesn't have to be all negative. You know, we have to have conflict conversations. We have to fight. We have to argue. That is going to happen. That is an essential part of an honest, authentic relationship. But when we are having those conversations, we can still engage with playfulness at times, with respect, with love, with affection, with understanding. And so some tips for engaging in a conflict conversation and achieving this five to one positive to negative ratio are doing things like mirroring back what your partner is saying to you. This is what I heard you say, you know, that is a positive interaction. If we can understand where our partner is coming from, say that, you know, even if we don't agree with it, even if we wouldn't feel the same way in their situations, if logically it makes sense to us, that is a good thing for us to say. That is a positive interaction. If we have enough love and respect for our partner, even when we're disagreeing with them, to look at them, to turn our bodies towards them, do that. That is a positive interaction. If we are feeling disconnected from our partner when we're having a fight or a disagreement with them and we feel the urge to feel connected even if we're disagreeing, do something about that. Reach out, touch their hand, get a little closer to them on the couch, put your head on their shoulder, give them a hug. That is a positive interaction. You know? If... Something that you, that the argument or the disagreement makes you think of with your partner, makes you laugh, makes you remember a really positive, funny, light, good time that you had with them. And you think that they could enjoy or benefit from hearing that as well. Share that. 
have a moment of lightness and laughter together. That is a positive interaction. So there are many ways to have a fight, to have a disagreement without it being a wholly negative experience. And those are some of the ways to do that. Saying when you understand your partner, indicating that you've heard them, being willing to physically remain open to look at them, physically turn towards them, being willing to initiate some affection when you feel yourself getting distant, being able or willing to lighten the mood or to make an appropriate joke, you know? So all of these are ways that we can achieve a closer to a five to one ratio, even in our fights. So I hope that at some time in life, everyone has the opportunity to experience a relationship that has this 20 to 1 or greater positive to negative interaction ratio. Um, And I think that that is rare, but I also think that it is reasonable and it is fair to expect. And this is how you can get closer to that. Thanks for listening and have a miraculous day. 